Oh, I didn't get situated. Shit. <laughs> oh, careful. They're talking over there. Yep. Sorry I didn't close the door, but... What yeah, what the like? hell? <laughs> Some, what do I look like? Some kind of door closer? Yeah, door closer. Uh, That's the second time good. we've made that joke. Was, it was such a good joke. I wanted to tee you back up for it, but it was just, I don't know. <laughs> it didn't work the second time. <laughs> I love it when you just repeat a joke. <laughs> they didn't hear it. True. At least not as far as you know. I mean, are they going to hear this one? Are you leaving this whole <laughs> nightmare of a sound in? Uh, it depends on how it sounds. Probably terrible. Well. Most of what we do sounds terrible. Exactly. Come on. He always moves the thing, and I never remember how to like get it to look right again. Here, how about that? Come in from the side. Boom! Nailed it! Oh, shit, I'm sitting on things. <laughs> okay... Oh, I said I'd be back by eight-ish. That—that's not happening. Not happening. Oh God. Oi, God. <laughs> Oi, God. <laughs> Got a bone to pick with you, Mister. I missed red the time when I said that we just started. We can do a 15 minute episode, be back by 8. <laughs> <laughs> back by 9. Oh, I didn't start the timer. Get the timer! Start! Welcome to Justice Losers, the podcast where we talk about pop culture media and name of movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host. I'm in your head! <laughs> You're fucking me up. I also went really tired. I, I did one of those naps from like 3.30 to 6. Oh, those are the worst oh, things. I, I, that's why I'm wearing the glasses. Yeah, I don't know why anyone would ever do, so, do that to themselves. Did you do that today, too? No. Okay. <laughs> The way you said that sounded like you were setting up for a delivery. I thought about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm Batman. That's me. I'm the one. Now, what should people do? Uh, like, subscribe, tell a friend, maintain a safe six foot distance from each other in social settings, wash your hands, wear a mask in public, you know, all the good stuff. Hey, I finally got a mask, by the way. Hey, it took you long enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, been wearing it in places. You know, not when I got a haircut. I finally got a haircut. Thank God. Yay. Uh, and then I wore it to the liquor store yesterday, and no one else in the liquor store was wearing a mask, and I was like, fucking idiots, who would not wear a mask? <clears throat> um, and then when I got to the counter, he wasn't wearing a mask, and I was like, all right, fine, whatever. At least one of us is, like, one of us is better than none of us. Yeah. Um, and he's like, can I see your ID? And I showed him my ID, and he's like, can you remove your mask? I'm like, what? <laughs> fucking hell! <laughs> And then, like, I took it off and it, like, came off my ears and I was, like, holding my wallet and I'm like, yeah, it's too much hassle to put it back on. It's already, if I have it and you have it and we both now have it. Yep. <laughs> too late. Yep. But, yep, that's my story. I'm All sticking right. to it. It's a, it's a good story. Thanks. Yep. Anyway. Anyway. What have you been up to? Um, I finished two things, which the title is four letters and starts with the letter D. 
Dick. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you really expected me to go there, didn't you? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) No, I finally finished Dune. Pretty good. Um, Oh, wow, my chair is squeaky. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> it's going full like teacher mode there, just like I'll wait. I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> uh no, um so the last time I was talking about it's like, oh they're finally it's like the third act turn and there's gonna be this big final battle and I'm really excited for like this last hundred and fifty pages. Turns out the last hundred and twenty pages were all appendices. <laughs> Oh, God! <laughs> yeah, there's like one chapter left. You never like flipped to the, like, the back to see? No. Or did you like flip it? Oh. I mean, I knew there was like an appendix at the back. Yeah. But I, you didn't know it was I didn't know it was a 120 page appendix. Good lord! Yeah. Um, Had you known it was that le- that little amount left when you finished it that one, or the, like the last time? Probably, but it was a really good stopping place. Okay. It was like, this is the calm before the storm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. It's uh, it's it's good. It's interesting. It's um, self-contained and coherent in terms of like its own, I guess, internal mythology and um, themes and stuff. Uh, it's a it's an interesting world. I've been hammering that all along. Just like this desert planet, and you read the appendices, and it's all about like um, this one guy is basically trying to terraform the desert, mm-hmm. and um, it's all these like ecological sub themes running through everything so it's good stuff um it's one of those books that's been called unfilmable uh, and you can kind of see why because so much of the action happens in like little sort of nuances of dialogue that wouldn't make any sense to an outside audience they only make sense if you can see them through a character's head gotcha so it's like I don't know, two characters having a conversation and one of them through like a subtle, just kind of like a twitch of the hand and the order he says his words communicates that he can't trust everyone in the band he's with. Mm-hmm. And the other character has to like acknowledges it in her head and picks up on that and then confirms that through the same code. And there's... I don't think that's unfilmable. I think it's something where you need... It's a, it's a Tinker Tailor level of film filming well the problem is it's like it i mean yeah there's a lot there's a lot of stuff where you have to trust your audience but it's it's stuff that the audience has no way of knowing Mm. like these basically these codes and these symbols and um uh just there's, there's all kinds of stuff that they in the way people say things that's not it's not something that can be done just with language so is it um is it, does it follow one person? Is the inner monologue basically of one person? No. Okay. I mean, there could be some really interesting, like, stylistic, uh, like, choices in when it comes to, like, you that they do, like, monologue, like, um, mm-hmm. over, what was it? What's the, what's the phrase? Like over over dialogue over dialogue. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a, there's a word for it. And I'm drawing a blank on it. Uh, but like, you hear their inner dialogue mm-hmm. over the what's happening. Yeah, but like in a good way. Like, the, the, any, I feel like that'd be handy. I guess anything terrible can be done well. I feel yeah. like like there's always a good way of doing something. I yeah, I almost wonder if you could get away with doing like subtitles over just the the obvious dialogue. That would be. 
too much for an audience to take in. You're trying to pay attention to what's being said and also reading at the same time. And if they're different yeah. things, then you're not able to pick up things. You you just miss stuff. And that's not yeah. like you're not paying attention. That's yeah. just like people don't have that ability to read and listen to different things and catch both. Right. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be hard. Um, I mean, there's a good story at the core of it, but just so much of the way the characters interact with each other depends on uh, stuff that's not really going to translate to film. Okay. So, um, Are you concerned about the movie? A little bit. Um, I mean, Denis Villeneuve is one of the best at what he does, and he's really good at sort of heady ideas kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if there's a guy to tackle it, it's going to be him. Okay. But it's just, it's a, it's a difficult one. Gotcha. Um, and you, we've talked about this in three episodes, I'm pretty sure. What else has he done? Uh, Arrival. That's right. And Blade Runner 2049. Yep. And Sicario, Prisoners. Okay. Other stuff. Yeah. He's got a he's got a track record. Yeah. Track record and a half. Like a good track record. Yeah. I mean you can have a bad track record, so just saying he has a track <laughs> record isn't necessarily good. Yep. Yeah. Um then the other thing I finished was Devs. Finally oh, hey, you finally wrapped that up. Yeah, I watched the last couple episodes. Did it get good again? Um, it never really got bad. It just kinda got slow. Mm-hmm. Um It never really sped up. It just kinda got weird. Mm. Um it, yeah, it got a little too wrapped up in its own, like, philosophical meanderings. Hmm. Um, it's very interesting and very bold. And I'm not sure I like it. Okay. <laughs> uh, is it, so it's, it, it's a not sure, which means you're probably going to try the next season, but you're not excited for the next season? I don't know if they'll do a next season. Ah, that's true. Live TV shows, it's hard for them to stay alive now. Yeah. And it's... um. Not live. Like it would, it would work perfectly well as just a little self-contained mm-hmm. eight-episode miniseries type thing. Um, but they do have room to grow and explore beyond this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's the sort of thing where I'd be really interested to see where they go next if they do go next. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something I just I need to think about and read what other people have read about or written about it and thought about. Yeah, um, it's exceptionally well made and well acted and. Um, a lot of really interesting creative choices. Mm-hmm. Um, the music is just totally bizarre, and it really works. Okay. Um, who was it? Do you know who, who posed it? No. No one we've heard of, I don't okay. think. Um, just really out there. Yeah. Um, but it works with the show, right? Yes. Because the show is very weird. <laughs> <laughs> out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's kind of like, there's a, a late game plot twist that kind of undermines, um... I guess not really undermines it thematically, but it just, it, it feels like the plot's kind of going one direction and then <laughs> it takes this left turn that just doesn't work. Going one direction. What? what is, never mind. And look, man, I'm still weird. I'm still kind of <laughs> hazy from the nap. I heard one direction like the band yeah. and laughed at it because yeah. I'm a child. Yes. Anyway, continue. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, I recommend it if you're the sort of person that likes, like, interesting ideas based stuff this is the guy who did uh ex machina and annihilation yeah um and he's he's kind of just a philosopher with a film camera okay um and uh, it's yeah no it's it's fascinating stuff i'm just not sure if it's good stuff and that is the end of what you've been up to i can uh, tell because you so, had a, your post-it note that you just said oh this down. is news oh <laughs> the way just... you set it down is like you were done reading from it yeah 
Uh, I think so. Um, Hannah's been watching a little bit of Sweet Life and Zack and Cody on um, oh. Disney+. Plus. Oh. I've watched a couple episodes just kind of over her shoulder. It's a, it's a charming show. Yeah, no, it's it's cute. It's it's basically fluff, but yeah. it's about as good as fluff gets. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah. We finished our uh, rewatch of How I Met Your Mother. And? Um, it's really you... good until about that last two minutes. Yeah. Really, yeah, they really, really good. just like. Look, if you don't know the ending of How I Met Your Mother, well, actually, no, I think it's still an okay protected ending. Because I didn't really know it until I watched it, and mm-hmm. yeah, I. So I, I guess we can avoid it. it, it... Spoilers Everyone... for How I Met Your Mother for like a couple seconds. I feel like it kind of undermines the entire premise of the show. Like, yeah, it's about How I Met Your Mother, not like my love story with Robin. Well, yeah, but it's it's kind of it's saying that the what the show is obviously about is not what it's really about. Yeah. Um and if you kind of watch it from the perspective that okay, this is about his unrequited undying love for Robin, mm-hmm. then you kind of you kind of see where that's coming from. Um because they do a couple scenes where that or they cover that even later. They do a lot. Yeah. It, yeah. I, somehow it popped up on all four or something on Facebook where it was the scene with him and uh Ted and Lily. Uh, up on the, um, and Lily's like, if I tell you a secret, you tell me yours, like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I feel like I, like, I just want to leave my kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Ted, yeah, and that's where Ted talked about that. So I I can see how that, if you're watching it with that knowledge and from that perspective, it would feel a bit better. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think the, the big problem is that they, they wrote that ending at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they'd kind of written themselves into a corner and the show probably didn't go exactly how they'd planned for it to go. Yeah. Um, and they ended up getting just a little too much emotional momentum going the wrong way or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, it definitely like, I can't remember how they, how they deliver the, the, the twist that she's dead. How do they deliver that? He basically just tells it to the, kids slash audience in the last couple of minutes because uh, like if they'd done a better job of that where in like you kind of that's how i met your mother i can't remember i can't i don't remember the last couple episodes very well mm-hmm. um but then they just kind of like pan over like a memorial to her and then that was the end of it holy shit i'd be a broken man <laughs> <laughs> yeah no. and that's the end of it like that just like this like it is like the whole show is in, memor- in memoriam to his wife mm-hmm. to his kids who she died like years prior, right? Yeah, I don't know if it's exactly specified. Yeah, but but, it, but it's not like oh, she just died because there's no way he would be just be okay telling it right, yeah, and no, not it's... breaking down every couple seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, um, no, great show though. It's such a good show. Yeah, the the two minutes that are bad are not enough to undermine mm. just so much good writing. Mm-hmm. They'll, like, they'll take a scene and then they'll play it back a few minutes later with the exact same dialogue. Mm-hmm. Just different inflections or a different character or something. And it means something totally different. Yeah. Just brilliant. Yeah. Really, that had to have been a lot of fun to make. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we got back into the office. Finished season seven. A couple of solid episodes at the end of season seven. Yeah. Uh, that's the, uh, so was that the end of the, the solid episodes ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, Will Ferrell's gone now, and yeah. so it's like they're they're doing the job search, and they're they've got a search committee for 
um, mm-hmm. trying to find the new one. And so there's a fun bit where they keep bringing in famous actors that'll like be one of the candidates to interview. Mm-hmm. So like James Spader comes in and it's just like this oh yeah, really creepy but charismatic guy and everyone's like terrified of him but also in love with him. Yeah. And, um, Warren Buffett's one of them. And, oh really? Yeah. Uh, Jim Carrey. <laughs> I can't remember that one. You're past the Idris Elba part, right? Oh yeah, yeah. way past. I can't remember when that, when that is. Yeah. Ricky Gervais via Skype. Yeah! That was good. Um, yeah, he played the same character, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Classic. Yep. Uh, Will Arnett. Yeah. Because, of course. Yeah. Gotta have Sam somewhere. Yeah, so, that was good. Um, I don't think I'm excited to watch the last two seasons, but it's it's something I will no need to be. have seen at some point. Yeah. Yep. Alright. Yeah, okay, I think... Uh, that's the extent of it. All right. Um, I've continued watching Avatar uh, with my girlfriend, working on it. Man, it's a three-hour movie, but you'd think it wouldn't take more than a sitting or two. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, um, wrong Avatar. Huh? Wrong Avatar. Wrong Avatar. Avatar The Last Airbender, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's... Uh, what was it? Two months ago, or two weeks ago? Three weeks ago. Four weeks ago. Fuck, I don't remember. Uh, Time is meaningless. I bought the first season, and then the next day is when they announced they were going to put it on Netflix, and I was really kind of pissed off. <laughs> but uh, we're in the middle of, we're a third of the way through season three, and I thought we were closer to the end, because I've forgotten of an entire plot thread that happens in season three, and once we started, like, I started, like, kind of going forward, like, looking at the next episode, like, oh, that's right! Um, but I'm really excited. She's super into it. It's her first time watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh... This is not really pop culture related, but um, I've been getting really into philosophy lately. Um, I've been okay. talking to Georgia Matt, who's the mm-hmm. best friend from Georgia, um, and he's like my philosophy person. Like okay. he he really likes talking about philosophy, and like we'll get into it sometimes. And um, he kind of sparked it in me again. Uh, and so I was talking to my girlfriend about uh, we were talking about um, moral relativism. Mm-hmm. You know what that is? I think I described it to you. Yeah, it's uh, where you can neither know a moral's speed or position at the same time. Wait. I thought you were going to go serious <laughs> with it, and then you went that. <laughs> no, no, moral relativism is basically the idea that you can, well, because I, I thought you were going to go serious with it, I'm going to use the same few words. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cannot know what the moral high ground is at any point, because it's purely relative on, relative to your culture and society. Mm-hmm. Um, so an example of moral relativism that's a little questionable, or not questionable, it's people don't like hearing this, is slavery was totally fine prior to, like, 200 years ago. Like, it was everywhere. Like, in America, it was racial-based slavery, mm-hmm. but, like, fucking, the Greeks and Romans slaved their, enslaved their own people. Yeah. Like, slavery was just part of the culture. That was the norm. But now we, like, us looking back, are like, oh, that's terrible, it's inhumane, that's garbage, that's horrible, that's, that's immoral, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, yeah, now it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I was, like, starting to think that, like, part of the moral relativism uh, thing is that you don't know what's moral. Like, you you have, we have our own standard of high moral now, mm-hmm. but what's going to be considered immoral in 200 years? Wearing glasses. Wearing athletic shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing underwear. Oh, whew. <laughs> uh, no, I started kind of thinking of like, what are the things that we really, really attach to right now um, for the moral high ground? And, and by we, I mean the very specific like set of people, like 
liberal people, mm-hmm. um, like socialist people, like the, the people that really value the in, the uh, or accept the intrinsic value of a human life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that stuff that comes down to like abortion, pro, uh, abortion uh, debates, um, like free will, like or not free will, um, like choice, like choice for everything, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the idea of individualism, that uh, right. you are allowed to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But what if, I, I don't know, and I'm not going to claim that it is because I'm not, I, mm-hmm. we, I, we're doing philosophical stuff. We're doing philosophical stuff. This is kind of what you do. Um, what if, like, over the next 30 years, society begins to really move towards pure individualism and pure choice on everything, mm-hmm. and it brings about the collapse of our society? Like, America splits, like, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, where it splits, like, down the middle of just, like, because of the way that things are going wrong so horribly. And then in, in 100 years, we look back and go, the way that people viewed individualism back in two, uh, 2020 was completely immoral, and it brought, brought, brought mass death to the country. Like, mm-hmm. stuff like that. We don't know what this can do. Yeah. But, like, that's what we view as moral right now. And I, and I started to think about that. Like, what if pure choice is bad and what like, if? and like that the, there needs like i mean that's why we have rules right like that's yeah, a very yeah, yeah. light level that you can't speed because if you run into somebody you'll fucking kill them mm-hmm. uh i mean if you even if you're going you can go half the speed limit and still kill someone <laughs> but you don't speed because it's dangerous and it, it costs other people lives but like other stuff like that and so i was like you know all this kind of like moral relativism stuff like that. Subjectivism comes from C.S. Lewis. Like you hear all these philosophers, ancient Greek philosophers, mm-hmm. more recent philosophers like C.S. Lewis, uh, and you're like, who? Like, what are the people that are like philosophers now? So I kind of I just googled like living philosophers and saw a few names. I saw a couple books and I clicked on a book uh, and it was like describing. And oh shit, I want to see if I can find it really quick. Um, but boy, did it like line up with what we were talking about. Let's see if I can do it quickly because it's on Amazon and I actually went, went to the page, so let's see if it pops up in my like recently. Probably will. Hope it does, because I don't want to be sitting here doing like just killing time. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on that while I'm looking? Like you're what because I know you're not like super like philosophy all the time, but like what do you what's what's going through your brain when I was talking about that? I don't like moral relativism. I think human society is a quest to adapt our own selves and norms towards a sort of truer, higher morality that's just kind of out there. So that is, yes, that's actually something I'm not as well read on that, but like, the thing is with that, say that again. Uh, I don't don't know. I think I said that pretty well. I don't know. No, I I I, say it because I I caught bits of it and I I think I understand, but I want to make sure I know. I don't like moral relativism. I think, um, there is sort of a deeper, truer morality out there, and human society and organization is just trial and error of trying to figure out, get closer and closer to that. Okay. So, a part of moral relativism is it's not time-specific. Mm-hmm. It's culture-specific. Right. So, if you look at Christianity, there's a very, there's a pretty clearly outlined set of morals mm-hmm. uh, in our Bible so you could say that people are looking towards that. Like, that's that's your mm-hmm. your higher set of morals that the, the society is constantly working towards, which mm-hmm. I agree with. 
but there's also Hindi moralism, uh, morality. There's Buddhist morality. Mm-hmm. There's like there's Taoism morality. There's mm-hmm. like all these different sets of morals that they're working towards. But they right. might some be might might be viewed as immoral to other cultures. Well, right. And that's part of that moral relativism is it's it's diff- differs based on your culture. Right. And uh, like that. That's kind of what that is. Mm-hmm. It's not that we're changing our morality. It's that we are looking, like, trying to find what is the most moral. Mm-hmm. It's just we saw it differently 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so you're, <laughs> with my understanding of what you're saying, I think you you do kind of subscribe to the theory of moral relativism, but a slight, slightly, like, different view of it. Moral relativism is a really broad thing. Yeah. Like, it's not like, it's it's not saying that 200 years ago they saw it as moral and now they don't. That's what moral relativism is. It's, it's right. our subjective understanding of morality kind of clouds our ability to actually know what morality really is. And that, that bleeds more into C.S. Lewis's subjectivity mm-hmm. uh, or subjectivism where we try to, we, we develop what we learn about something outside of us and we build our own subjectivism. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, we take assumptions about ourselves and start making like, and start learning about other things. Once we turn that, the, the view to ourselves, mm-hmm. we've already made those assumptions about ourselves. So it's a cycle of like, you're not actually learning anything new. You have made assumptions about yourself that you're just seeing now. Mm-hmm. And it's not true subject. It's not tr- true objectivity. It's purely, it's, that's what subjectivism mm-hmm. is. And so that kind of, that bleeds into the moral uh, relativism where, you're not seeing... I'm getting so philosophical right now. This is not what our podcast is. <laughs> um, but, like, we can't know that. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, We can't know what the true morality is because what we think of... Like I said, like what we think mm-hmm. of morality right now. Like, if we knew what that target was or if that target existed right. and we, like, had any idea what it was, it would be tr- we would be there. Right. Um, and it's like you said. You're, we're tr- honestly trying to work towards that that mm-hmm. true high morality, but what society exists determines what society views as that high moral, uh, moral, high, moral high ground, I guess, is the, no, just high morality. Mm-hmm. Caveat, though, uh-huh. the idea of working towards it, I guess, I don't really even, it's not, it's not the sense of like, well, Every society wants to feel like they're trying to work towards it and build a more moral society, but um, no one really succeeds in the long term. You make short-term gains and then you make short-term losses. Okay. I think we should probably, like... <laughs> we, should get, we should... I feel like I want to do, like, a... Like, if, like not a mini-series on, like, just discussions of... Philosophy, because it's it's so much fun for me to talk about. All right, it's not fun. Yeah, it's not your thing. I don't Um, like philosophy. uh, But the thing that uh, I was uh, that I found, uh, uh, Kwame Anthony Apaya is a. Oh yeah, I've read some of him. Yeah, Um, so it's a thing called the Ethics of Identity, Mm -hmm. and there was one paragraph that really just like screamed at me. Uh, Adopting a broadly interdisciplinary perspective, Apaya takes aim at the cliches and receives identity. Is culture good? For that matter, does the concept of culture really explain anything? And is diversity of value in itself? Are moral obligations the only kind there are? Has the rhetoric of human rights been overstretched? Like, there's a, that, and that is kind of like what I was thinking of. Is like, individualism, human rights, human choice. 
are we like like nurturing that too much to the point where it's going to begin to cause the downfall of humanity but oh absolutely once we started on the notion of positive rights with fdr it was game over (laughs) (laughs) and you get the slippery slope theory which it's not a good theory (laughs) i don't know man i've been on some pretty slippery slopes anyway enough about philosophy uh other thing i've been doing is i've uh I started reading the, the Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say I finished the Bronze Age of Swamp Thing. <laughs> so, I'll be honest, I kind of just like flipped through the last half of the second issue, of, or second volume of Bronze Age Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. So, for some context about what was around there, that was um, after Len Wein left. And it was taken over by, can't remember his name. Um, that happened right before the DC implosion. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some brief uh, historical context on that, the DC explosion, DP, DC implosion, were when Marvel actually got popular in the seventies. What? Um, they, it's not a thing that happens. <laughs> <laughs> they made their break thanks to one Stanley. Rest in peace, and Steve Ditko. Uh, also, rest in peace. Damn it. No, he should rest in war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, war and peace. Perfect. Um, but no, because of those two and Jack Kirby, Marvel finally came into its own. Fantastic Four happened. Rest uh, in peace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Marvel became a lot more popular, and actually the, the culture shifted to Marvel over DC. Mm-hmm. Um, and DC was like, oh, hell no, dog. We're going to make so many titles. And so they created, I think, over 30 lines of of comics. And it was this explosion, okay. and it was great. It was it was similar to the speculator boom and bust, mm-hmm. where it was just like, hey, we got to do something to spark interest in our stuff. Lasted for about two months. And they realized they bit off oh so much more than they could chew, and that then brought the DC implosion, and a lot of shit got canceled. Basically, more got uh, more stuff got canceled than they created for the explosion, mm-hmm. um, which you know tracks. Don't fucking do that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't try to play the market. It's you'll, you won't win. Yep. Um, and so Swamp Thing was one of the things that got canceled. But before it got canceled, they were trying to do stuff in the second volume of Bronze Age uh, that you haven't read yet. Mm-hmm. Tried to do a whole bunch of stuff to save it by going with space, going with magic, going with ali- aliens and robots and just mm-hmm. stuff that was not in Lynn Wine's brain for Swamp Thing. It, right. it lost its roots. Uh, <laughs> um, Although when Alan Moore sends him to space, it pulls he pulls it off. Yes, because <laughs> he's an amazing writer, which we'll get to. Um, so that ended up getting canceled, and Swamp Thing kind of got passed around from like title to title. He had one in the Brave and the Bold. He had one, I think, in the Adventure Comics. Mm, okay, uh, and he spent he had a little bit of time spent in the Challenges of the Unknown. But as, like, a really background side character. Uh, and I was wanting to read, like... I, I read a lot of comics for learning about the characters and the development of the character story. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen for Swamp Thing. They, they, don't, they don't develop Swamp Thing at all in the uh, challenges okay. of the own. So I was just kind of like, okay, so he's fighting, and then he's fighting, and 
Um, there was one thing that I saw, that, I think it kind of kicked off my distaste for the second half of that and just made me want to ignore it. Um, where, so in, in Swamp Thing, Volume 1, he doesn't talk for like the first half. Yeah. He can maybe say no, but basically it's the idea that he doesn't have vocal cords and he's mm-hmm. trying to make his swampy stuff mimic vocal cords to try to speak and he can't really do it and it's always a good little thing. But he slowly learns how to talk. He says, I am Al Holland at one point uh, to his brother, but it doesn't get any more than that in right. the second volume until one panel where the man says... But I'm half exhausted. Never be able to uproot all of them. We're licked, Batman. That's not a swamp thing to say. And it's in it's in the swamp thing speaking thing, which is the orange oh. and jagged. What the shit? <laughs> like I saw that and I'm like, I don't really care about this anymore. That's just a different character that they painted the swamp thing over. Well, and the thing is, it's like, I well, first of all. I think they might have accidentally made it the speech bubble, and they tried to make it a thought bubble, because he, he does think things like that all the time. Like, he yeah. does have full thoughts, but not like that. It doesn't say, we're licked, Batman. That's not an Al Collin thing to say. No. It's so weird. And I was just like, they have no understanding of what this character is. Yeah. And so I just kind of flipped through the rest of it and jumped Swamp Thing, Volume 1. All right. I knew you read the stuff, and we talked about it extensively when you were reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was describing to my parents some stuff about it, because it was really cool to me, just the way some things were. And I'm going to check the audio, because yeah. I don't want to lose all this. Yeah, no. Oh, come on. Hurry up. Swamp please. things, a majestic okay, character. Um, and so, I don't want to repeat what you said, because mm-hmm. I know we've had that problem where, like, I you read something and then I read it and I just repeat what you ended up saying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because my, my ideas are right and then you yeah. just copy them. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and although to be fair, I barely pay attention to you ever when you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, um, but like I, I tracked down the episode where you started reading it so that I could hear what you had to say. So I would I would say mm-hmm. something new. The way, the things that you were saying were almost verbatim what I was saying to my parents. <laughs> like, you said things that were, like, just exactly what I said. I'm like, god damn it, I have to say, think of something new. So, <laughs> here we're going to talk about. You want to hear about Matt's opinions of the of the Swamp Thing? Matt's thoughts on the Swamp Thing? I uh, do. I really, really do. Tell me them. I'm going to reiterate it. Basically, what you did, what you did is, like, you kind of... The first issue was called Tying Up Loose Ends, which appropriately is him tying up the loose ends of the what, like, 10-issue run that was right before he took over. Mm-hmm. Um, and by, by and by that, it means all the plot threads that were going on, he literally just chopped off, killed off half the, half the side cast, yep. brought back uh, Abby Arcane and... Uh, oh, no, they, they were in that. They were in the... Yeah, yeah, because um, right, Arcane... But, passed. like, killed off Arcane, I think, kind of, because I feel like he's going to come back. I don't know. Don't say anything. Uh, but he killed off a lot of the stuff, ended uh, plot threads, spent an issue just kind of like restarting. Mm-hmm. And then the next issue is where he starts what he wanted to do. And so when they started this run, they were like dr- like desperately looking for someone to write. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and the, the editors were trying to find somebody and they couldn't find somebody in America. So they decided to go over overseas. They found Alan Moore, mm-hmm. who was this up and coming guy. Hadn't done Watchmen yet. 
So he was, he was, yeah, he, at this point he'd just done some work on like 2000 AD. Yeah. Like he was this kind of up and coming writer that they, and they were like, uh, I think Alan Moore came to him. He, he was just like, uh, Hey, I want to write this stuff, but I have this really interesting idea. And they told him and the editor was like, okay, sure. And so what he did is basically reinvented the swamp man, or swamp man, swamp thing. <laughs> Instead of it being Alec Holland died and was kind of taken over, or like Alec Holland was exploded and then changed into a swamp man by mm-hmm. a restorative, uh, by a bio restorative uh, formula. Comics are fun, aren't they? Oh, the 70s. <laughs> uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, they. Alan Moore is one of those people that does research for their stuff. And I love creators that do that, that mm-hmm. they know all this, like, they do research on these weird side things and bring it in. Mm-hmm. And so we found this thing called planarian worms that there was a study, and I found the study. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. Where they had a planarian worm, and they taught the planarian worm how to f- how to go through a maze to the center. Mm-hmm. And they taught it, and they got it to where it would do it, it, would do it consistently. Then they put another one in there, let it try it one time. It didn't work. And then they had the new worm eat the worm that could go through, like, because that's a thing that the planarian worms do. Mm-hmm. And then the new worm went through on its first try. Hmm. And it became, this This developed this idea that through consumption, knowledge can be passed. It, it's, uh... That's why What's-His-Face eats all the brains in the Manhattan Project. Yeah. Actually, yes. That, yeah. That's that exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, (laughs) very, uh, it took me a second, I was like, I was thinking, like, the real Manhattan Project, I'm like, what the fuck happened there? Oppenheimer ate some brains. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no, and, uh, there's a lot of thought that this is why cannibalistic tribes would eat their wise men, that they, that they, Mm -hmm. that kind of, that exists in humans. Don't fucking eat people, please. That's bad. More. Wish you would have told me sooner. <laughs> <laughs> or it's not bad in 200 years. Moral relativism. Oh, fuck. Sorry, get back into that. Um, but no, it, it developed this idea. So what he did is like, it was a revelation. He didn't change the swamp thing, but it was a revelation mm-hmm. for the swamp thing. That the Floronic man was uh, that knew this, and there was a report on it, and Swamp Thing ended up reading that, that... What actually happened is Alec Holland died from the explosion mm-hmm. and fell into the swamp and decomposed. Mm-hmm. And the swamp, with the bio-restorative compound, consumed his body. Mm-hmm. And the swamp then began to think it was Alec Holland. Mm-hmm. And the, the second issue is Anatomy of a Ma- Anatomy Lesson. Anatomy Lesson. Where it was the Floronic Man, who's a scientist, literally dissecting the swamp thing's body, who... Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he learned that lesson, freaked out, ran to the swamp, and then just rooted himself, and he just fell asleep. Uh, which we'll get into. You remember that. Mm. I'm gonna remember it forever. <laughs> um, and so it was like, he was like pulling parts out, and he was like, this is a, there are these two things that look like lungs, but they're not. They're just swamp. They're yeah. plant. There's this thing that mimics a liver, and it's just, there's this thing that looks like a, a brain, and it's just plant. And basically, it was the swamp that was trying to cope with the fact that it's dead and thinks it's Alec Holland mm-hmm. and tried to rebuild Alec Holland yeah. as, to the best of its ability. And it, it's it's literally the swamp that thinks it's Alec Holland. And yeah. it's the fucking coolest change to a character ever to happen in DC. 
just awesome. Bar none. Just <laughs> it's so cool that that that's like and it, it, and so like it. That, that's why he can't talk. It's because it doesn't have vocal cords. It's just plant. Yeah. <laughs> Except for that one time when he just said, "We're lit, Batman." <laughs> that's in canon. <laughs> um, but no. Uh, so while this is happening. Swamp Thing is rooted in his sleep, and he's dreaming. I have never seen dreams done so accurately to the point where reading it actually is able to give me words to describe how dreams are. Everyone knows that dreams have this weirdness, this very specific weirdness that really no one can capture except fucking genius hell more. Yep. Uh, but it's, it's just this weirdness that you, like, you wake up and you're like, well, yeah, I was like, I was going over to, to, to Taco Bell, but I had to stop by, like, uh, I had to stop by Home Depot to get the sauce for, to, for, right. uh, for my wall, for my, from Walmart or whatever. <laughs> and then I had to, like, uh, I had to build the pyramids to get, to actually get into, into Taco Bell. Uh, and, this episode sponsored by? <laughs> yeah, I had Taco Bell before this. <laughs> but, like, it's, it's that weirdness. Uh, Jeff yeah. Fox, where the, the comedian has a good bit, like, where his wife wakes up and she's, like, talking about, it's like, to get out of the pyramids, I had to burp the Tupperware. And it's, like, just this weird shit. There's a logic to it, but it's an illogical it's logic. A, yeah, exactly. It, it makes sense in the dream. Once you wake up and you start thinking about it, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um... And it does this thing where I, this is the only original thing that I can add to what you, because you've described all this prior. Mm -hmm. I am able to identify that it's, when you're dreaming and you hear things outside, what it does is it takes what you hear outside and it re-recontextualizes it. Mm -hmm. Something that you know it recontextualizes it to make its own sense. Mm -hmm. And... So a really great example of that. Well, first of all, real life examples like when your radio is going off and that beeping is happening or whatever mm-hmm. your radio happens, and like I don't know, you're. I have a great example of an actual dream I remember where this happened. Go for it. When I was about I don't know elementary school age, my dad. I didn't have an alarm clock, but my dad would wake me and my brother up by playing the piano. Mm-hmm. He only knew two pieces: the um, first movement of Beethoven's. Well, I guess the whole thing of Beethoven's Pathetic Sonata mm-hmm. and Bach's Thirteenth Invention. Okay. And so one day I'm dreaming and I was dreaming I was just walking down our street, just kind of a normal dream. And he starts playing the 13th Invention downstairs. And there's like a second or two in my brain where suddenly I imagine, okay, and now there's like a piano appears in front of me and I'm sitting there and I'm playing this piece on the piano. And then I woke up and I'm like, oh, it's just... Yeah, yeah. but, but you, it recontextualized. Yeah, I recontextualized yeah. it into my dream. Yeah. And like, so it does this thing where it's, it's alcohol. It's, it's the swamp thing trying to make sense of everything it now knows. Mm-hmm. And so there's this thing where, um, uh, Abby and, uh, Abby arcane and holy shit, Matt cable are mm-hmm. looking at the swamp thing. Who's taken root. He's been sitting there forever. Uh, and she's like, Oh my God, he's a vegetable now. Look, there's like, there's bugs growing in him. Like, mm-hmm. um, and then it cuts to the dream where he is marrying, it's his, it's his wedding, mm-hmm. and uh, Abby Arcane starts talking to him and he's like, wait, why are you here? We haven't met yet. <laughs> and then she goes, oh, don't be such a vegetable. Like, and then like mm-hmm. in, a couple, uh, in a couple panels later, someone's like, hate to bug you about it. And it takes mm-hmm. those words that it hears. Here's Abby Arcane's voice, so it puts her in there. Mm-hmm. Here's the word vegetable. Here's the word bug. Puts those in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, and then his wife is like, oh, my, my chest hurts. I think it's this bullet wound. And then 
was like, oh, I guess like the earth is eating me now. And like, that's, that's him contextualizing that stuff. My favorite part of it by far was when, uh, the worms, like the planarian worm, like, are like talking to him and they're like, uh, oh yeah, like eating, uh, eating humans, eating humanity is like the best thing. Uh, oh, by the way, you're not Jewish, right? And he goes, no, I'm from Holland. <laughs> and I love that because it, it takes swamp, the, the swamp is taking the name Al Holland and recontextualizing Holland yep. to be where he's from, not his name. Yeah, and I like I just like lost my shit at that one panel. I was like, that is the fucking coolest thing ever. Just it, I can so very clearly imagine what a dream is like now. Yeah, because of this, I've never been able to put words to the way that dreams are weird, but like Alan Moore is able to actually put that in paper. Oh, so good. Anyway, <laughs> how far have you gotten? Uh, I am. Uh, I just finished uh, volume one. All right. No, I have one one issue left. Volume one. Okay. Um, but yeah. No, I, the, just, uh, the, the Floronic Man whole thing, mm-hmm. the whole story with that is amazing. Like, everything makes sense. He's, uh, the, um, does that thing that I love that comics do where they have, like, the, the thing he sa- he says at the beginning and the thing he says at the end is the same thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, there's nothing I hate more than steak crying. It's just like, the Floronic Man's like a planet, a plant guy, but he is actually not pure plant right um like swamp thing he wants to be like swamp thing right uh, and he thinks swamp thing is alley until swamp thing just like hey no fuck you and beats the shit out of him um and he hates humanity uh and then swamp thing's like hey why are you killing all this humanity you know how we like eat, we eat carbon dioxide to make oxygen someone's gotta turn it back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like oh no there's a balance between the green and the red first mention of the red by the way exactly um and i can't wait till the did they bring in the rot? Sort of. I think, yeah, I think we talked about this because I was reading the New 52, which really emphasizes the rot. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not, I don't think it's, as I recall, it's been a, probably a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been like a year. Yeah, it took me forever to fucking find all the <laughs> episodes you were talking about. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's clearly supposed to be that, but it hasn't really compartmentalized it into the green and the red and the rot. Yeah. Um, and so it's, uh, and I think that's kind of, um, around crisis is when that's all happening. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a very interesting. Yeah. Part I need to, once I finish the, this swamp thing stuff, I'm going to actually read Christ and him and Earth again. Cause now I have this new understanding of a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to see what's going on there. Uh, but yeah, no, that's what I've been up to. Very good. Great stuff. Yeah. Philosophy. Swamp thing. Which is basically the same thing. It's got some philosophy in it, which is awesome. <laughs> But, yeah. All right. News. News. I got a sticky note for this. I'm going to really crinkle the sticky note to bring it Oh, please do. Oh, so good. Speaking of Swamp Thing, uh, apparently the DC show is actually going to be moved to the CW. Oh. And I saw that. Yeah. Oh, there's so much disappointing stuff happening this week. This news is going to drag me down. Can we just, like, blast through it? Yep. So Swamp Thing's going to CW, which means somehow CW surviving. Fuck that. It, yeah, it feels like a... I mean, it kind of always felt like just sort of the best version of a CW show. Yeah. Like, everything's a little goofy, and all the characters are just way too attractive, but mm-hmm. it's kind of decent. Yeah. Um, you know, the same so. thing is with Stargirl. I've only seen a couple clips of it. I haven't seen the actual show, but that's not fantastic. Yeah. 
You know what's some fantastic CW news? Ruby Rose is leaving Batwoman. Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> you sent me the link and the text was... I want to count. I want to count this real quick. Oh, my God. That um, was about my favorite thing. That is my favorite bit of news that I have ever seen in my life. Uh, it is... Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Ha 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 that's the death of that show, and I'm so happy. <laughs> Fucking the show that's like, it's not Batman, it's not Batman in heels, then they make it literally Batman in heels, but also that she bangs women. Yeah. That's all this fucking show is. Isn't that what Batman does? Bangs <laughs> women? Actually, no, not comic book yeah, Batman. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, one thing I'll say though, if they want to like reboot and they uh, get Stephanie Beatriz on board. Mm. Did you not get that text from me? I did get that text, okay. but I wanted to make a nice reaction yeah. to the podcast. That was a genuine reaction, so I was like, I guess you just didn't get my text. Um, I don't know if uh, people, people who don't watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you don't really have much of a um, of a ref- reference on this, but uh, Stephanie Beatriz plays, plays Rosa. Mm-hmm. And she can play a badass, and we know it. Yep. Like, it's... Like, what a fucking... Batwoman is not a person that you can, like, risk that they can't portray a badass. That they can't command the screen as a badass like Stephanie Beatrice can. Yeah. Which is hilarious when you see interviews. And she does, like, she does, like, a really high voice. Like, I love that whole thing. Um, you knew about that, right? No. Oh, you didn't know that? No. The, the voice that she does, like, she does, like, whenever she does this in the show, like, the really high-pitched voice. That's her actual voice. <laughs> <laughs> um... But no, uh, she is amazing, and I love her character in the show, and I want her to play Batwoman. Um, I saw a, a still frame. I, I've only seen a still frame of the Batwoman costume once. I don't like it. I feel like they tried to capture the comic book Wonder uh, Bat. I keep saying Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Comic book ca- uh, Batwoman, but it doesn't have the same effect. She is very, very, very pasty white in the comics. Like yeah. that's the thing; she's literally white yeah. with red hair. Um, I think at one point she actually puts the puts makeup on, like puts pasty white makeup on. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the explanation, but uh, in the New Fifty Two stuff, she that's just the way that she looks. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, if you're gonna go with like Stephanie Beatrice, a Latina, um, then you can kind of like sidestep that and do a different Batwoman yeah. thing. Um, or you just put her in white face. <laughs> that would be so bad. That would be really uncomfortable. It seems like exactly the sort of thing they do. Yeah. Anyway, so that's great. Hope it gets canceled, <laughs> but hope that Stephanie Beatrice gets hired for a Batwoman show on DC Universe. Yeah. I just don't want CW to exist. Anyway. Um, I don't know what the next one is. The Snyder Cut. Fucking. It's being released Christ on HBO Almighty. Max. God. For some reason. Damn it. Not fine. Let's see what it's like. This is actually a really interesting moment from just like a 
an outside kind of objective perspective, just to look at like the creative process and see what two completely different versions of the same thing yeah. will be kind of spot the difference on a two and a half hour scale. Three. The Snyder Three cuts scale. a lot longer. Yeah. It's uh, um yeah, I just I it wasn't a great movie to begin with, but it does too much. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't even seen it. It's not out. I know very little about it, but what I do know about it, it does too much. It tries to make Steppenwolf the bad guy, but then it still brings in Darkseid for, like, what, there is a Darkseid fight, isn't there? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. It's just... I don't know. We'll see what it's like. Yeah. Maybe it's great. Maybe somehow Zack Snyder will redeem himself in my eyes. Highly unlikely, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be really weird, because it's not, like, a finished cut, so there's gonna be a lot of, like, which is fine. I mean, they're pouring like thirty million dollars in. Oh, they are. Yeah, they are. Oh, I didn't touching know they were up. Finish it. I thought they were. They are like fixing a... up the visual effects and the the editing and. God. Yeah. No, they're serious on this. I wonder if this was a plan from like day one. No, can't have been. Like, because great, great business moves are to create demand by withholding. Mm-hmm. Like, that is just, like, that's the best business move there is. It's hard to create demand, and it's also a risky business move, because once you pass that line of, like, you're mm-hmm. not going to do it, then people stop caring. And you also have to create a, a, a product that's good enough. Right. Uh, example is Prairie um, Prairie Brewery in Norman, mm-hmm. or in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. Uh, the Prairie Bomb, the stout, was only, like, a seasonal thing, and it was the best fucking shit ever, and everyone loved it. And they created this demand that, like, when they would put it on the shelves, gone in a day. Yeah. But now that when they changed ownership, they just always have it. And there's always on the shelves. And it's, like, honestly not even as good. And people don't worship it as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they crossed that. Or they, they went back. They created the demand. They were doing a great business move. And then it just didn't work when they when they changed it. Yeah. But I'm well, probably selling a lot more now, though. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's. That's happening. I mean, we're going to watch it. Yeah. Because <laughs> we we're, we're slaves to the movie industry. <laughs> uh, um, what else happened? Uh, this apparently happened a couple weeks ago, but I forgot to report on it. Uh, we're getting a Percy Jackson series on Disney+. Plus. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Bad That's... idea? No. Okay. Uh, I, I never read the books. I know the movies were bad. but The books are pretty good, and the books, I think, deserve a decent adaptation mm-hmm. uh, so this is probably the place to do it um they're pretty disney friendly okay the actual book versions where they're not sexed up 16 year olds they're actual like 11 and 12 13 year olds like they are in the books um yeah i, I think this is a this is a good move they've got the the money and the know-how to turn out something pretty good um the author is on board which is good because okay. he hates those movies <laughs> <laughs> that's always them. good um and i think um th- i mean they've they've said that they're wanting to do something a little more book faithful mm-hmm. which is good they're it's really solid source material it's yeah good. if they do it right with a good air to the tone which is much quirkier than the the movies would have led on it'll be it'll, it'll be good i'm optimistic so what i didn't hear you my glasses were off i Yes, I got a word from it. Oh my god. I was planning that from like earlier today. I got a word from it. Like it took you at least 
a word in response to realize what I said. I was hoping you just wouldn't even notice it, like, and then, uh, and then say it again. Uh, anyway, uh, no, I didn't hear you. Yeah. Uh, you did? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I did hear okay. you. I was just making that yes. okay. joke. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> um, a bit of small news. Um, some guy named Isai Morales is replacing Zebulon Holt as the villain of Mission Impossible 7. Who are both of them? <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of Sergei Holt, acclaimed actor. Oh! <laughs> Alexandria Holt. Jim, Jimmy Holt is getting... Was the, <laughs> I didn't know he was going to be the villain. Yeah, we talked about it. It's probably under a different first name. Yeah. He tends to kind of move around first names a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know who Issei Morales is, but I kind of recognize the face. I think he's been on just some TV stuff. Um... So, yeah, he'll be in it. Uh, there's still apparently... Well, has, Holt, has Holt been in a movie yet? A Mission Impossible movie? Yeah. No. Okay. He's going to be a new guy. Okay. Um, okay, that's fine. Yeah, it's just something that's happening. Um, and then the big news of the week is Tenet Trailer 2. You didn't see that? No! Get your phone. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, we lost footage. Again, Classic. Uh, it's in a trailer. This is exciting. I don't want to just get into a discussion again. I want to say the thing I said, because I think it's an important thing. Um, this trailer made me feel exactly like I felt watching the first Inception trailer. Yeah. Um, I'm like, okay, this is an interesting concept, but I'm a little confused, and I, it seems just a little superficial, but I know now more than I did when I watched, I know now more? You now know more. I now know more. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Knew the words were all in there. I just didn't put the word right <laughs> order. <laughs> it was a time reversal. Yeah. A little time inversion there. Now more. Yeah. Um, with now knowing Christopher Nolan like I do and knowing that that's how I felt about Inception, which is still to this day probably like a top five movie for me. Yeah. Um, I am absolutely on board for this movie. As much as I'm like, okay, this is an interesting trailer. We'll see. Also, just wanted to point out that plane crash, totally practical. Yeah. Real giant plane, real giant building, real explosion. I want to see Andrew work with Christopher <laughs> Nolan so he can come home and say, like, hey, yeah, I crashed a 777 into a fucking building. <laughs> you what? Uh, so let's hope it comes out. You, you mentioned on our... Oh, yeah. Yeah, our previous the, thing. The trailer, uh, it says, uh, coming to theaters. Mm-hmm. Um... Which would be an interesting little, like, uh, time capsule for people in 20 years when they look back at their trailers and see that that first trailer had a date, second trailer didn't. You'd be like, oh yeah, that was the time when fucking nothing happened in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, apparently it's still on board for... I really should have looked it up now that I had the chance. Yeah, it's the second uh, time. You still don't know. At <laughs> some point in July. I want to say the 16th. Um, I don't think that math adds up. Maybe. Um, at any rate, it's coming out at some point in July. Or it's not... And Who knows? If, if it comes out, it'll make $3 trillion because it'll be the only movie in theaters, but it'll be one that everyone wants to see anyway. Yep. And if it doesn't, then we probably won't get any movies till November. Yep. So. Okay. Anyway. Back into our topic. Topic. Um, our topic this week, I had a nice little like intro to it, but our topic this week is the ages of comics. Man, um, you wasted all my snarky inserts. I know. <laughs> Blew them all in the practice run. Um... So last week we briefly talked about the age of comics and how all the ages of comics, and I'm going to give you a little like rundown again in case you forgot, um, 
the, they've all been like around like 15 years, and then the modern age started in 85, is now running on 30, 35 years. It's a long fucking time. Mm-hmm. And given that ages typically, like, eras of anything art, movies, like, uh, real culture, uh, typically gets broken up after the fact. Yeah. Um, it will be later when modern age kind of, like, we're, we'll find out what we're in now. Um, but I want to talk about like where we might, what we, what they might be deemed as, and I have my own proposal mm-hmm. that we'll get into after a little rundown. After you have your words, that you say again. Right. Um, but basically, so Golden Age uh, started in 1938 uh, with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Captain America, very war effort, uh, like Captain America punching Hitler on the on that thing, that yep. actual thing in the comics. Um, and because of the, I could have my turn to say I could have looked this up. Uh, <laughs> the Conservation of Trade Act or whatever during World War Two. Sounds where like a real thing. Things weren't like trade was not allowed between countries unless it was like a a, a necessary good, like a mm-hmm. like a food or medicine or something. Right. Comics weren't allowed to be traded across borders, so Canada and England would kind of start writing their own comics to mimic America. Um, Captain Canada. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then so that happened, and then when the end of the wars came. Uh, the end of wars. That's funny. Uh, when the end of the big over, uh, out, out of explosions wars. That um, particular war in particular. Yeah. Uh, the Silver Age started when the Comics Code Authority, after Seduction of the Innocent, was published by Frederick Fuckface, whatever his name is. Um, Sounds about right. Uh, Seduction of the Innocent made the entire world go... not even be able to be published in a comic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he posted that, or published that book, and the whole world was like, hey, comics cause children to be violent and so the comics code authority started putting a severe hamper on uh comics to be able to do anything mm-hmm. worthwhile uh and at that time because of that stuff like westerns and uh comedies and stuff like that both with that and with the fact that just general uh appreciation for superheroes kind of faded after the war effort yeah um com- uh, comedies westerns sci-fi noirs that kind of like uh stuff started to make more uh make more of an entrance mm-hmm. um that was the silver age then the silver age ended somewhere in the early 70s with the death of gwen stacy another thing i didn't look up was the other third one oh, yeah? death of gwen stacy uh when green lantern lost his fucking mind killed the entire green lantern Corps, and built coast city with his ring that was a fun time 70s <laughs> og woman in a fridge huh og woman in a fridge yeah Literally the bombing of an entire city. No, his girlfriend got shoved in the fridge. That was a different Green Lantern. What? Hal Jordan. Wasn't it? That was, yeah, are, are you, you actually didn't... Oh. Okay, okay. yeah, I'm no, so... mixed up. Uh, yeah, no, I, that's understandable. I still sometimes, like, just one thing happens. <laughs> I was like, Green Lantern, which one was that? The fucking, was that one of the new ones? The fridge one. Uh, no, uh, Hal Jordan um, in... Um, can't remember what it was. The one of the storylines that uh, uh, Coast City got bombed and completely mm-hmm. annihilated. That's his home city, right? And he kind of like in grief used his ring to recreate the entire city. And one of the rules of the Green Lantern Corps is to not create life. Mm-hmm. And so the Guardians were like, "Hey, can't fucking do that." And he's like, "Hey, stop me, little bitches!" And they're like, "All right." And they sent the entire uh, Green Lantern Corps at him, and he was like, "All right, bring it on!" And then murdered the entire Green Lantern Corps mm-hmm. and it destroyed Oa and became Parallax. That's and then right. that's when that all happened. That that kind of part of it was this this new era of like really gloomy 
like Bronze Age, and that's when mm-hmm. Snowbirds Don't Fly happened with uh, the hero addiction of um, Red mm-hmm. Arrow. Right. Stuff like that. It gets really, really gloomy and depressing. Um, and then that ended, so that started in like the early 75, uh, early 70s, and then it ended in 1985 with Watchmen, ba- uh, Dark Knight Returns, I'm going to say Batman. Well, it is Batman, Dark Knight Returns. Right. Dark Knight Returns and uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, which mm-hmm. were all very new comics. Right. Like, a very different approach at comics, certain by Alan Moore, Frank Miller, and George Perez. Holy sh- uh, Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Holy <laughs> shit, I can't believe I blinked on their names. It's <laughs> um, And so that began the modern age. And this was... Oh, 1985. Mm-hmm. It's 2020. We're overdue for a new a new name. It's, uh, it's been 35 years. It's been 35 years. Yeah, we've been uh, waiting longer than the Yellowstone Super Volcano. Yep. <laughs> uh, so I got my proposal for it. Uh, we made a you whole got joke. A proposal? Oh yeah. By the way, that got cut out. Matt proposed. Yeah. Uh, and he's now engaged. Woo. I, I kind of wanted we... to say Matt got Matt proposed, and she said no. It was no. Sad. <laughs> no Matt's engaged. Yep. Good for me. He's a he's a week old engaged. Yep. Look at you. A little more than a week old. Yeah. Like a week. Oh yeah. Today's Monday, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. We're recording late. Yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna make sure we're still recording. That would be a good thing to check. Cool, we're good. All right, all right. Now that now all that's over, okay. I don't have to do that again. Matt, Preston, I want to hear your thoughts before I get into my proposal. My proposal is yeah. really great, and I love it. Okay, my proposal is pretty great too. You've already heard part of it. Yes, I have. So, Modern Age kicks off in 1985. I'm gonna do this in the right order this time. Okay. Um, I think kind of if you go back, the the comic ages sort of represent somehow the spirit of the times a little bit. We've talked a little bit about this how pop culture mimics the culture of the times so it's yep. uh there's kind of heroism in the, the golden age it's they're fighting the war it's the good guys versus the bad guys mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of what kicks it off um silver age it's like the the 50s everything is just kind of stable and there's i mean comics code authority is partly just to blame for this but partly mm-hmm. there's just not a lot of tension in everyday life um by the time the 70s roll around there's a lot more cultural malaise around like vietnam and the counterculture and everyone just kind of feels like things are falling apart. Mm-hmm. It's going all mad men. Um, and so we get comics that are suddenly a little more gloomy. Now, um, those kids who grew up kind of with the counterculture and grew up reading sort of these gloomy Bronze Age stuff, they're starting to come of age by the mid-80s. And so they're like, okay, we're going to start taking this comics thing more serious. And we get more of an assertion of comic as literature, not yeah. just entertainment. You get Watchmen, you get uh, V for Vendetta was kind of around that yeah. time. Um, Dark Knight Returns is a more serious handling of a character. And um, it just, it it seems like it was an attempt to capitalize on sort of their own freedom, I guess, now that the Comics Code Authority is going its own way. Yeah. Um, and just try to make something of this art form, try to make something serious of it, less less frivolous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we we got that for a while. Um, I think image comics could partially be attributed to that. It's, mm-hmm. uh, they're st- stepping out and trying to make just interesting new stories. They're not just surely a, a bad guy of the week entertainment company. Yeah. Um, and that uh, I think that kind of defined the, the period for a while and has had lasting impacts even through to today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the modern age, which for lack of a better name... I think we can kind of mark the end of that in 2002 with the start of Marvel Ultimates, 
and the Rubber Age, because they're always bouncing off new ideas and spinning off new universes. Yeah. It's very bouncy. Bouncing boy. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Precisely. Very good. Um, Yeah, I think... So I think the problem is comic creators became self-aware. Before this, they were just robots, and then Skynet happened, and Terminator, and... What was I saying? I'm... <laughs> you seem like you were on a track, so I was letting you go, and I... No, they, they became, they became <laughs> like, aware of their own place in history, and sort of self-aware of what they were producing, and they were trying to constantly produce the, like, the newest and best version of it. Yeah. And so we get the the rubber age is just a constant age of rebooting and building new universes and trying to like assert this new thing. Yeah. Um, and it's it's less concerned with entertainment or literature and more concerned with just newness. Yeah. New interesting ideas and um, or boring ideas. Yeah. As often as not. Mm-hmm. Um, and just changing things. Yeah. I haven't thought that through very carefully. But that's, that's all right. That's kind of... That's, that's my first thing. All right. Cool. What do you got? What's what's your good idea? All right. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll do that. So, in 1985, like what you said, it was mm-hmm. this 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 point where creators were like, hey, let's, let's reorient this entire medium to become literature. Mm-hmm. It... They were trying to, like, like, make a, like, renew it to be, like, refresh it to be something good. Right. Um, similar to how in the 1500s, artists were trying to re-refresh culture with mm-hmm. art. So I think starting in 1985 is the Renaissance. All right. It's the comic renaissance. It's when things, and it, and it, and it lasts a while. It's a lot mm-hmm. of things trying to be new. And this includes 1992 when the Image Comics, when all five of those guys stepped out on Marvel uh-huh. and were like, we're going to fucking start our own thing. And mm-hmm. that led to more stuff. It's similar to how the art, artistic renaissance, mm-hmm. things changed, but didn't. some things didn't have an effect until after the renaissance where right. you see this this effect, that this rippling effect that the Renaissance had, and that was like image. So, that's the Renaissance from 1980, 1990, fuck, fuck, 1985 to 2000 with the release of X-Men. Ah. Uh, and... That's a good end So, I'm not going with, for this one, I'm not going with purely the comics. I'm mm-hmm. going with the way that the comics, like you, like you said, mm-hmm. the way that they reflect and interact with the rest of the culture. Yeah. And in 2000, X-Men came out, and that began this, like, whole, the, all of culture just kind of went, like, did a double take, and like, what? Oh. Like, that's a thing. Hey, comics can be cool. Comics, comics are a thing. And the reason this is a comic age, not just, like, a film age, is because comics started to really change what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They were releasing new lines based on what movies were coming out. Mm-hmm. They were shifting things. They were changing stuff all the time. Marvel, at, for the biggest part. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, everything, they were changing stuff so that, one, it would get comic readers excited about the movies. And then, two, it got people who were watching movies to uh, who wanted to go then check out the comics, gave them a good stepping in point where right. 
if you're going to go read Guardians of the Galaxy after you watch that movie, you're like, oh, I love these characters, I love Star-Lord, and then you went to read a Guardians of the Galaxy from 10 years ago, it's not the same Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. But if you went to read the new ones that were coming out, it's the same team. Right. It's this this way that the comic industry was trying to welcome in these new people that were in the, that were watching the movies. They're capitalizing on their own newfound popular appeal. Yes. And DC was doing the same thing, hence mm-hmm. 2011 The New 52. Uh-huh. Oh, shit! People were, like, starting to get into comics... No one's going to want to fucking go back to 1938 and try to read all that and stuff to understand what the hell is going on with this guy. Yeah. Let's start Let's start now. Let's start a new thing now for all these characters. How they did it was kind of stupid, but let's start now and give people a stepping off point. Because 2011 was Captain America. And because 2012 was yeah. Avengers. Yeah. So it was like really the height of it. Like you had your Iron Man, you had your Thor, you had Captain America. That's when Green Lantern came it, out and they were trying to start the DCU. Damn it! <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't say that. <laughs> I'm ignore that. Um, but yeah, that's when the comics started to really just try to just like give this the, the, like this open arms to to new people mm-hmm. to the detriment of themselves yeah. uh, for longtime fans. Honestly, it benefited me mm-hmm. until I got so far into it that even I was dislike it because yeah. <laughs> like then I started reading all the old stuff. But it. It was a shift to putting all of their effort into the movie and into yeah. into attaching to the movies, um, which can be good and bad. Like I said, like it brings in new people, but it you disrespect your your current base. Yeah, people who are like I don't want to read for a year of comics of just like them rehashing the origin of of Superman. Yeah. I was getting really into this storyline, and you just now I just got a fucking. Oh, I get it. That man's parents were killed. Yeah. Um, Pandering blows common denominator, kind of. Yeah. And so it's the film age, and this is where I'm struggling to find out where I want. There's I have two ways to split off from this. Mm-hmm. One is 2020, which is the definitive end of the film age with Endgame. Okay. 2019 is the definitive end of the film age with Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I didn't come out with here. Um. It's the definitive end of the of the film age because okay. that is when Marvel was like, "We're not done, but we're kind of done now." Yeah, like <laughs> that's well, we've taken all your money. Yeah, we'll give you a little while to make some more, and yeah. then we'll take it all again. See, this isn't. Uh, we don't want to rapidly cool the metal. We want to slowly cool it. So we're gonna keep some putting some movies out there, mm-hmm. but it's not gonna be this this red 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 hot fire. Right. Um. And so there's that. It's the, it's the end of the film age based on the movies. Or it ends in 2016, which would be the end of the film age based on comics, where DC did Rebirth. And that was more of them kind of like course correcting to then satisfy the... Uh, 2016, 2018, right? It was... It was giving more back to the, the to the fans that the longtime mm-hmm. fans. Um, it was still another stepping off point because like they knew New Fifty Two was trash and they needed some stuff. But bringing back Action Comics and Detective Comics back to their original original numbers, mm-hmm. getting stuff like Black Label going, mm-hmm. where you have Batman Damned, where it's just this way out there thing that new people would not get into. Right. White Knight. Yep. Like this stuff that that's out there that they can really focus in on. It's this new age. I, I I would struggle to call this the modern age. It's also like kind of 2015, 2012, 2015, like later teens, 
is when Image really just like just went full fucking frontal nudity on like let's just be weird and that's yeah. when stuff like witches kill or be killed like this stuff just became indie right um and i think maybe it maybe it is the age of independence mm-hmm. uh where even like even a comic a, a, a comic corporation like dc is willing to allow these independent stories like Damned, White Knight, uh, yeah. Harleen. I need to go fucking read Harleen. I really want to read Harleen. Mm-hmm. Um, these stuff that's like that are unrelated. Yeah. Uh, it allows for this independence within their own universe. Um, it's very interesting. And, and, and of course, Image Comics. Um, Marvel's not really doing that, which is why I'm a little struggling with this one because I think I'm... As much as I, I'm mm-hmm. a DC elitist... Marvel now has earned their earned their place to help define ages. Yeah, they didn't until like partially the 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 um, Bronze Age, um, yeah. and really didn't with Modern Age. Like it was all DC it was Modern Age. Yeah. Um, but like with my stuff, the Film Age mm-hmm. that was theirs. Like they yeah. did that, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that they've earned their place at the table with doing this so there's like it's probably more of a of a dc's probably excited to have someone else at that table finally yeah (laughs) it's so lonely (laughs) like look we've been carrying this fucking industry on our back for so long um but it's probably just like a fuzzier cross uh a fuzzier cutoff um just like the the silver age but like fuzzier because it's more of like a five-year span yeah but there is kind of I, i think i like that that the age of independence yeah, I think I think it seems like there's a little more like specialization almost. Yeah, like targeting different, more specific audiences. Yeah, and you you kind of see that in weirder places now. Like you go to the store and there's like twenty different varieties of cheese its Yeah, it's confusing, but each person like you know they're they're targeting specific things, and it's all yeah. it's very calibrated to hit a broad audience. Yeah, kind of wonder if that's the same thing. Comics yeah. are cheese its Great. I love it. I this love episode sponsored by... <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> and Taco Bell, apparently. Yep. That's also what I've been up to. Like, the Taco Bell I had for dinner was the best Taco Bell I've ever had. Like, the I had a, ta- I had a burrito mm-hmm. supreme. Mm-hmm. I actually got all the ingredients in every bite. Fucking mm-hmm. go you. Wow. Uh, anyway. So, yeah. I think that's that's where I'm at. Alright. It, it splits it up into, like, roughly 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, exactly 15 years. 15 and then... 20-ish, like, back to 15 until the independence thing kind of kicks in. Yep. But, like, even even the movies reflect it with Joker. Yeah. Um, just sure this do. this idea that... It's, it's comics realizing that you can't satisfy everyone's needs by reusing the same characters, but also creating new characters that you don't stick with. Like, honestly, uh, like, a good example of creating a new character that you stick with is Hush. Mm-hmm. Hush is a pretty new character, and he's a big part of Batman's lore now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to get that to stick, because we all want the classics. Right. Um, and no one stays dead, so you can't fucking kill Scarecrow, because he's going to be back. Yeah. Um, but that's actually something I was thinking of, like, literally while recording. I'd love to, if I had, you know, my dream job of, like, writing comics or something, I would, if I wrote Batman, I'd introduce a character, like, a new guy, like, just a new pal of Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. but 
he's a villain, but you don't know he's a villain until like four years down the line. Like his villain isn't doing anything mm-hmm. until four years because like that was the problem with Hush, where it introduces the new character at the same time it introduces a new villain, and like yeah. if you if you know shit, you're like that's that's him. <laughs> uh, but like if you just introduce a character. And then Batman's, meanwhile, taking care of other stuff, and there's nothing else new. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, hey, it's a new character. Like, yeah. maybe, a, maybe a buddy. Like, a, bring a, a guy that figures out who Batman is and is like, hey, I just want to be, like, your mechanic and stuff. Like, bring back, like, a Herald kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas, like, hey, I'm your mechanic. And then, literally four real years later, it, it starts to happen that, like, he's been, like, sabotaging Batman and then... That would, that actually comes, oh my god, I'm creating this entire story. He sabotages Batman and all this technology bankrupts uh, Wayne Industries, mm-hmm. and it puts Batman into, back at, like, and I feel like they've done it before, but, like, it puts him, now Batman, with nothing. It's yeah. only his skills. Because, um, like I mean, it. like, you have that happen a couple times where, like, they try to, like, take away his gadgets and stuff like that, and it never really lasts, or... Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. And, like, you go... Uh, and then they do, like, oh, this is Batman without his gadgets, and it's, like, in the past. Mm-hmm. But, like, you put him in new Batman, and you put, like... Batman with no with no gadgets and no cape or no sh- nothing, like, just, like, Daredevil. Just a yeah. fucking sock on his head. Yeah. <laughs> and him going against Bane. Like, I'd love to see that kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that was just my slide idea for a Batman story that I want to make. Anyway. Oh, that's cool. We can do some fun stuff with that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Anything else? That's all I got. Shall we then? We shall. All right. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode where we talk about comics. As per usual. Yeah. Uh, don't know what we're going to talk about next week. Haven't had any good ideas in a while. Don't know if I've ever had any good ideas about anything. We'll think of something. We'll think of something. <laughs> It'll be good. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean. I really thought I was going to get them all wrong out there, but I think yeah, I did it right. Uh, we're on Facebook. We've got a Twitter at Just Us Losers Pod, where Preston rants sometimes. I almost ranted. I typed out the first thing, but I realized I didn't have enough to complain about with ranting. Mm. It was about Batwoman. Oh. Huh. Um, we're on Instagram, also at Just Us Losers Pod. We've got a Gmail, Just Us Losers Pod at gmail.com, um, where you can send us ideas for episodes, but you can also do that at Facebook or Twitter. Yeah. Probably Instagram. Slide into our DMs. Is that the thing kids are doing these days? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, we have Patreon. You should send us $3 trillion so we can see Tenet, um... 300 billion times, roughly. Yeah, about 10 minutes, $10 tickets, yeah. Yeah, it's a reasonable estimate. Um, yeah. Sounds like fun. Let's get excited for Tenet, people. Woo! Hey! You're running out of energy. Thanks for listening, buddy. Bye. 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 That needs to be tightened. That's a really flappy head. That's what she said. <laughs>